the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable. Knowing that you cannot find them all. And if you listen carefully, and sometimes even if you don't, you can hear that sound. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. The Word of God, it began to teach us how to do things right and how to do them in a godly way. You know, just just reading your Bible, just reading your Bible and doing what it says will give you godly wisdom, godly understanding. And I think what you'll find too, and what you probably have already discovered, is the wisdom that is in this book is is so contrary to the wisdom of this world. When you first come to the saving knowledge of Christ, it can be easy to feel a bit overwhelmed. What should I do? What shouldn't I do? And how should I do it? All of these questions and many more can be answered by the Bible. In the life of every Christian, new or experienced, the Bible is the instruction manual for anything you can think of. So in your walk with Christ, make sure that you're spending time in the Word of God. Without the Bible, how will you know the things you should or shouldn't do? Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 8, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. So all that they're left with now is the wisdom of the world. 1 Corinthians 3.19, it says the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. What the world says is wise to do. God says it's foolish to do. God says it's foolish. In James chapter 3, it says, listen to this, the wisdom of the world is motivated by jealousy, bitterness, and selfish ambition. And the wisdom of the world results in confusion and evil of every kind. Isn't that true? The wisdom of the world, it's motivated by jealousy, bitterness, and selfish ambition. What the world tells you to do is do what's right for you. Do what's best for you. you know, do what will benefit you the most. You've got to look out for number one. That's the wisdom of the world. It's, it's, it's selfishly ambitious. And it's bitter. And it results in just confusion. It leaves just confusion in its wake. And it produces evil of every kind. And that, that's what you have when you reject the wisdom of the word of God. You're left with the wisdom of this world. And that's just going to leave you confused uh, and, and, and with evil. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 6, the Lord says to Israel, listen to this. Be careful to observe my commands, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. 
For the child of God, for the believer in Jesus Christ, we no longer rely on the wisdom of the world. We no longer rely on human wisdom or our own understanding. The child of God relies on the word of God. The word of God is our wisdom. It's our understanding. In Psalm 19, it says the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, making wise the naive. And my wife and I, we were just talking this week about uh, our, our before Christ days. Uh, we both came to faith in Christ in our 20s. And we were talking about our days before we knew the Lord and before we, uh, before we were born again, before we had the word of God, before we had the wisdom of God, when we were uh, in our youth and when we were naive and we, we relied on the wisdom of this world, we relied on our own understanding. And as we were talking about it, we were, we were remembering some of the things and decisions that we made and some of the, you know, the way that we acted and the way we treated people. And we were just lamenting. Just the selfishness. Just the selfishness and the, and the way that we behaved. Just how self-serving uh, we were. And the confusion that it brought into our lives. Both individually before we knew each other. And when we first came together before we were uh, born again. Just, it, just, it was just confusion. And the evil that it brought. And then once we were born again, once we became believers in Jesus Christ and we were saved, and once we began to read the word of God and meditate on the word of God and obey the word of God and, and, and the word of God renewed our minds and the word of God transformed us and it, it gave us wisdom, wisdom from above. Wisdom from above. It became to us our wisdom and our understanding, our playbook for for life. And, and we could look now to the word of God for direction and understanding. And, and, and the word of God, it began to teach us how to do things right and how to do them in a godly way. You know, just just reading your Bible, just reading your Bible and doing what it says will give you godly wisdom. Godly understanding. And I think what you'll find, too, and what you probably have already discovered is the wisdom that is in this book is, is so contrary to the wisdom of this world. It's so contrary to human wisdom. And what the world tells you to do, how the world tells you to respond, how the world tells you to answer. And then you have what God's word says. And they, they're just... You know, they're, they're opposite ends of the spectrum, going two different directions. And to have God's wisdom now in a book, and you can just read it and obey it and read it and apply it, and you have this wisdom from above, this understanding from heaven that you can apply to your life. The people of Judah, they rejected the word of God, and all they had was, was their human wisdom and the wisdom of of this world. And that's why things are just so um, messed up in that country and this nation that we're studying. And so now verse verse 10, verse 10, the Lord lists a series of consequences that they're going to experience if they don't repent. You know, there's always uh, there's always here opportunity for them to repent. 
Verse 10, therefore, I will give their wives to others and their fields to those who will inherit them because from the the least even to the greatest, everyone is given to covetousness from the prophet even to the priest. Everyone deals falsely for they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly or superficially saying peace, peace. When there is no peace, the prophets and the priests, he's talking about there in verse 11. He's saying they, they've, they've just put a band-aid on a mortal wound that's bleeding out everywhere. And telling the people, okay, you're good. That band-aid will take care of it. Telling the people, no, you're going to have peace, peace, the peace of God. God's not going to judge you. God's going to protect you when there was no peace. And the priests and the prophets weren't responding in a way that was, uh, that was serious enough for the situation. Verse 12, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. They weren't ashamed of their sin. They had no remorse. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. In the time of their punishment, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. I will surely consume them, says the Lord. No grapes shall be on the vine, no figs on the fig trees, and the leaves shall fade, and the things I have given them shall pass away from them. The judgment will be thorough, it will be complete, it will be total, everything will be consumed, everything will be taken away from them. They're going to be removed from the land. They're going to be carried away to Babylon where they will live for 70 years. Verse 14. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves. Let us enter into the fortified cities. and Let us be silent there. For the Lord our God has put us to silence and given us water of gall, which is a, a poison, uh, to drink because we have sinned Against the Lord. The people weren't responding to these warnings. They weren't reacting. God's telling them judgment's coming. And the normal response would be, hey, go into the fortified cities where you're safe. Go inside the walled cities. If there's an invading army coming. But nobody's moving. Nobody's doing anything. They're not responding to this at all. Verse 15, we looked for peace. But no good came, and for a time of health, and there was trouble. The snorting of his horses was heard from Dan. Now, Dan is in, uh, was in the northern part of the United Kingdom of Israel. It's the northernmost city of Israel. When the Babylonians uh, will invade the land, they're going to come down from the north. So they're going to come to the city of Dan first, uh, and they'll pass through Dan on their way south. To Judah, and here the Lord is warning them their horses are in Dan. They're coming. And notice uh, verse 16 the snorting of his horses. The word his is probably capitalized in your Bible. His, the Lord's horses. The Lord is the one bringing the Babylonians to judge them. The whole land trembled at the sound of the neighing of his strong ones, for they have come. And devoured the land and all that is in it, the city and those who dwell in it. Verse 17, for behold, I will send serpents among you, vipers 
which cannot be charmed, and they shall bite you, says the Lord. So now he compares the Babylonian army to poisonous snakes, serpents, and vipers that will come and bite them, and there's there's going to be nothing they can do. And so now verse 18, Jeremiah uh, weeps for Judah and what's going to come upon them because of their sin. I would comfort myself in sorrow. My heart is faint in me. Jeremiah says, my only comfort is sorrow. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. Uh, the, uh, the ESV Bible says in verse 18, My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. As Jeremiah sees the nation that has turned away from the Lord, and, and they are uh, facing judgment because of their iniquity. Jeremiah is brokenhearted over the moral condition of his nation. And I look at that and I think, well, what about us? How do we respond to the ungodliness in our nation? How do we respond to seeing our nation turning away from God and forsaking God and forsaking God's laws? Does it grieve us? Does it break our hearts? Does it make us sick as it made Jeremiah sick to see this? It should. And if it doesn't, we should pray, Lord, give me a heart like that. Give me a heart for this nation. Give me a heart for the condition of our nation. You know, break my heart for what breaks yours, Lord. You remember in the New Testament, Jesus wept for Jerusalem. Jeremiah is weeping for Jerusalem. Jesus wept for Jerusalem. He was brokenhearted because of their sin and because of their refusal to turn back to God. Now, Lord, give us a heart like Jesus. Give us a heart like Jesus for our nation. Verse 19. He says, listen. The voice cry of the daughter of my people from a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? It's describing here when this judgment comes upon Jerusalem. The people will cry out. The people of Jerusalem will cry out and they will say, is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in, her, in other words, when this judgment comes, you know what the people are going to say? Where's God? Where's God? I mean, doesn't, doesn't God dwell in Jerusalem? Doesn't, isn't he the king of Jerusalem? Is the king no longer in Jerusalem? 
And when the judgment comes, they will accuse God of abandoning them in their time of need. They don't accept responsibility for what they've done. They don't say we brought this upon ourselves. By our own rebellion, our own stubbornness, it's our own fault. No, they say it's God's fault. God's abandoned us. Where's God? Now, God's going to respond to their accusation in the second half of verse 19. He says, why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images, with their foreign idols? God says, hey, you, you brought this on yourself with your idolatry. You forsook me. You abandoned me. I didn't abandon you. You turned from me. I didn't turn against you. And isn't it interesting, you know, sometimes um, a person who you know, has, has no relationship with the Lord. And they've just, they're living this rebellious life, this sinful life, this immoral life. And then suddenly they've got some kind of consequences in their life for their sin. And they shake their fist at God. As if God did that to them. Where's God? And God says here, hey, you did this to yourself. I didn't, I didn't do this to you. I didn't abandon you. Now look at verse 20. Verse 20 is a, is a powerful, uh, powerful verse, powerful illustration. Look what he says to these people. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. What does this mean? Verse 20. The Lord is saying to them. You're almost out of time. You're almost out of time. To be saved. It's the 11th hour. Don't put off repentance any longer. The opportunity to repent. And be saved is passing away. The clock is winding down. The door will be closed soon. You know, in Luke, uh, in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 13, verse 25, uh, there Jesus says, when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you or where you are from. Then they will begin to say, well, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where you are from, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. And then there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, it says. Once the master of the house closes the door, that's it. There's no getting in. The opportunity is past. And here in verse 20, he's warning them. Saying the harvest is past, the summer's ended, and, and we are not saved. You're coming to the end here. You're running out of time. Psalm 95, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You know, each time we hear his voice and we refuse to repent, we harden our hearts. Our hearts get harder. And it becomes more and more you know, difficult for us to repent. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. And you think about verse 20. You know, no one, none of us really know uh, how much time we have or how many more opportunities we'll have to repent and get right. And we, can, and we keep putting it off and putting it off. 
But we don't know where we are on God's timeline. You know, we don't know if the harvest is past. The summer has ended. We're at the, at the 11th hour. We shouldn't put that off. Verse 21, again, we see Jeremiah, the prophet, mourning for his people. Now, Jeremiah is often referred to as the weeping prophet. And it's verses like verse 21 that gave him that name. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. He says, I'm hurting for my people. I'm mourning for them. I'm overcome with grief. Again, how do we respond? When we look at our nation, we look at our people. Do we hurt for them? Are we brokenhearted? Do we grieve? Do we mourn? Now look at verse, uh, verse 22. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Now, he says, is, is there no balm in Gilead? Gilead was a region east of the Jordan River. Uh, it was famous for the ointments that were made there from uh, the resin or the sap of, of trees that grow in that region. They would make these ointments, these you know, balm uh, that could be applied, the balms of Gilead. And what Jeremiah says here, as, you know, as he's hurting for his people, as he's mourning, as he's weeping for them, he says, is there no medicine that they could apply? And he says, is, is, is there no physician who could heal them? And God has already told them the medicine. It's repentance. It's repentance. He, he's already told them if they turn back to him, he'll forgive them, he'll restore them. But they refuse to take the medicine. You know, it's, it's like they have a, a terminal illness. And they've been given a prescription, but they refuse to take the prescription. Right? And, he, and here's the thing. Listen, we all have a terminal illness called sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And sin is killing us. We're all terminal. And God has given us the prescription. He's given us the remedy. And it's Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. But we've got to take the prescription. We've got to take the medicine. We take the medicine by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Here, the people of Judah, they've got the remedy. They've got the medicine. They've got the prescription to be healed, but there's no recovery for the health of the daughters of my people because they refuse to do what God has told them to do, to recover and be healed. And that's repentance. And they just refuse to do it. And so there's really, there's nothing God can do if the person isn't willing to repent and take the medicine that he's prescribed. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. 
book of Jeremiah entails many prophecies given to the people of Israel, but they weren't just commands of judgment and consequence. Within these pages, Jeremiah gives insight into the coming promises that Jesus would offer by coming and fulfilling a new covenant of redemption for all people. What's interesting is that Jeremiah poured his heart and soul out as he wrote this book. It wasn't just a dry dissertation of what people should do or what should come about. Jeremiah was a living and breathing person during the time of siege and exile, and he felt deeply for the people and nation he was a part of. His empathy for his kinsmen should resonate with you as you're part of a larger group of people in a nation and ultimately part of God's family. Is there a stirring within you to see those who are lost come to have a saving knowledge of Christ? If so, you might be able to relate to Jeremiah more than you thought. If you're enjoying this series through the book of Jeremiah and would like to hear more teachings, we encourage you to visit our website at calvaryec.com. In addition to listening to these teachings, you can access more information about the church behind this ministry. Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. As a church, our heart is geared towards spreading the gospel message to all we come in contact with. And we welcome anyone to worship with us at our location in Columbia, Maryland. For service times and location, check out calvaryec.com. Thanks for joining us today. Next time, we'll continue looking at the book of Jeremiah here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know His voice and it only takes It's true.